I had uh, early success in my businesses. Uh, you know, by the time I was 27 years old, I was a multi-multi-millionaire. I was in the business of starting up nuclear power plants. And then among artificial intelligence, robotics, there are so many ETFs. Uh, one of them we picked simply because, you know, our members want one. And so then it's a question of which one is the best one of the, all of them. And that is... Right. Excited to have on the Raz Report today, Nagem Aurora, the author of the Aurora Report, a stock trader, an investor. It's been doing this for years. Called the bottom in 2009. I don't know how he did that. We're going to find out. We're going to find out what trends he's seen in the market, how he invests, um, any stock picks for today and what he likes or doesn't like. Um, welcome to the Raz Report, Nagem. Thank you for having me, Jason. Yes, excited to have you. I do all types of interviews, you know, entrepreneurs, founders, stock traders. At the end of the day, what, you know, we try to do is help inspire, educate, and help people make better decisions. Okay, so, Nagam, how did you get into investing? Well, uh, Jason, I had uh, early success in my businesses. Uh, you know, by the time I was 27 years old, I was a multi-multi-millionaire. And uh, my frustration was... Uh, how, how, were, how were you a multi-multi-millionaire? Well, I started a company that I... Early, early, before networking was a big thing, and I sold that to something called Digital Equipment Corporation. DAC. They used to be a number two computer company once upon a time. And then I started another company called Action Systems, Inc., and uh, I was in the business of starting up nuclear power plants. Um, you know, if you go to Michigan, I know you Detroit, Consumer Power, there was one of my clients for a long time. Uh, so my, my company's hand has been in uh, about 60% of uh, nuclear power plants in this country and several abroad uh, in Korea and Taiwan and other places. And uh, so I solved some big problems in nuclear physics, and you know that gave me an edge. Basically, you know we were in a situation like uh, the only game in town to solve certain problems, <laughs> and that was the 29th fastest growing company in the country. And then uh, after that, I got into Department of Defense business, did very well, and then started getting into an artificial intelligence company long, long, long time ago before people talked about it, uh, and so on. So, but my frustration was always on the uh, investment side. Uh, you know, I, you know, Merrill Lynch used to be my broker. I mean, in the old days, you used to have brokers, you call them, they call you, you, they say buy this stock and so on and so on and invested into a few hedge funds. That didn't work out that great. Uh, so that put me on a path of trying to figure out how to learn what to do, right? And I'm one of uh, those guides, uh, guys who's a deep thinker who tries to figure things out, how things work. And Jason, you've been doing this for a long time too. Stock market is not an easy market to figure out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's very, very hard. Uh, you, your mathematician work that you seems like you you uh, um, have mastered some of that. Like you at least I beat have. it. You know, I have. 
I can say that after long struggles for years and years, finally I arrived <laughs> to some degree. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that so let's get into it. So like I get how you got into like the investing and but then like what inspired you to start writing books on it? Were you just not finding the outlets for books? Well, no, actually you know, I my mine uh, this the Aurora report is kind of an accident in this on this uh, in the sense that uh, so I wrote a book on change management and developed a theory called Theory ZYX. I have patent claims on it and so on. And for a while, they were teaching, you know, my theory in a lot of MBA schools and so on. You know, getting invited to all these MBA professors inviting me to speak to their classes and. Uh, uh, a lot of C-suite people using it, mostly written for senior management. And what happened is, one day I was traveling, and I wrote that because I had some change management issues with one of my companies, and I had hired some big-name consultants. They couldn't work it out, so I said I want to develop my own method, and so on and so on. Right? I'm a creative kind of guy, right? <laughs> and uh, one day I was uh, traveling, sitting on a plane, and the guy next to me says, you're Nigam Arora, aren't you? I say, yes. And I thought he was probably CEO of some company, has used my book or, you know, something, or one of my consultants for some assignment or something like that. And, uh, I, and he introduced himself and says, so what do you do? And he said, well, I run a small hedge fund. I said, oh, okay, so how do you know me? He said, well, we use your book quite a bit. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> how do you use my book? <laughs> and he says, well, we read that and uh, a lot of things you say make sense and they apply to the market and we had uh, some discussion and that guy has passed away, you know, the older guy at that time. And uh, I started thinking, wow, it took this guy to tell me that I could use my book to solve that, my struggles with the stock market and other markets. <laughs> so once I got that, after that, wow. it was pretty easy. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, but how, wait, how do you, wait, I, I missed part, how do you recognize you again? He, he just recognized me because I was always going out and getting invited to give a lot of speeches and so on. So he must have, you know, been at a conference, a, you know, where I was a speaker and he, he must have attended it and all that. Uh, got so it, that got used it. to happen that a lot, you know, I mean, even now when I go out, people talk to Nigam Aurora for whatever reason. Got um, it. That's, so, that's, so it's amazing. So, so do you need like security now when you like go, you know, like, no, 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 yeah, no, yeah. No, 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 not there yet. And yeah. I don't want to be there. Well, how, how many books have you written? Yeah, just one, just one. Okay. Uh, um, you, you know, this is very, very interesting. You know, I told you it was very successful early on and, uh, one of my financial advisors, he said, Nigam, one other thing you need to learn is don't be flashy, stay private. It's okay for people to know that you've made money, but don't be very obvious because otherwise you become a target. <laughs> so I remember that and I remember that all my life. <laughs> And so now, so you're not flashy then. So you're very. No, uh, don't want to be. Want to live as private a life as I can. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. And yeah. the Aurora report, really, I, you know, I was pretty much interested in managing my own money, my family's money. Uh, and what I was doing is I was, uh, you know, helping friends because, you know, they'll call you, right? You know, what do we do now? This and that. 
And pretty soon, you know, I was to a point where I was having difficulty, you know, doing justice to all my friends and talking to them because you run out of time in a day, right? Uh, then I said, well, why don't I start writing a little bit of a blog, right? And people start reading that and I never looked at it as a business. And then uh, one day, actually I was going to, you know, I, I couldn't sleep. I was going to travel to India next morning. I was just sitting there, you know, one o'clock at night. I had a like six o'clock in the morning flight. So I had to get up at four, uh, three. I said, well, I'm probably not going to sleep. And, and, you know, I said, what the heck if I were to put up a little paywall on my blog and uh, see if anybody subscribes? And I didn't think anybody would subscribe. I know how that is. Right? I mean, yeah, but I, I never thought of this as a business. So, you know, then I was sitting at the airport and I said, let me turn back out, see if anybody subscribed. And I was, I was shocked to see over 100 subscriptions. Wow. So you put a paywall and you paywall. got 100 subscriptions. And what yeah. was the, what was the price you had it at? It was $59.95. So 60 a month, bucks. A month or a year? A month, month, month. So it was not cheap compared to yeah. these letters. Yeah. No, 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 no. I didn't, I, I wanted to know. <laughs> Where you were at with the pricing, you said you got a hundred subscriptions. So you went from a zero dollar business, you know, a month to basically six thousand dollars overnight by yeah. just putting a paywall. Like, right. you, like did right. you use like did so, you do like a PayPal paywall kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, PayPal paywall, yep. PayPal kind of thing. And so I said to myself, you know, I'm going to be gone for about three weeks. I'm not going to be writing anything, doing anything. So it's not fair, right? So I called my assistant and said, hey you know, send everybody an email that uh, we're going to refund your money because if you want to subscribe later on, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not going to be doing anything. Uh, nobody canceled. Uh, so I came back, by the time I came back, I think we were like to four or 500 subscriptions and uh, hadn't done anything. So that's how the Aurora report got started. <laughs> That's how what got started? The Aurora Report got started. Yeah, that's how it got started. Okay, got it. So that's so this version, but I had another version because I had some experience, which I started long, long time ago, before the age of the internet, where with, based on my own struggles, I'll come up with some ideas. So I had started a newsletter, which we used to print and mail out, <laughs> you know? Uh, oh yeah, I did that, but that was kind of a side hobby kind of thing, you know, long, long time ago. So I had some experience in what people expect and, you know, how, how to go about doing that, uh, you know. Uh, so, so I've been doing that for a long, long time. Along the way, I started a company. This is early on when computers weren't, you know, there. And I said, you know, I was still using graph paper to draw charts. So, well, let's set up a little company to start charting with computers. So I've been doing this, you know, but this was not my main focus for the longest time, right? I was starting nuclear plants or working on Star Wars missile programs or something like that. You know, th those are my main focuses. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that was, so you're doing the, the physical thing. So then this became the raw part where you had, you came back from vacation, you, you come back and you, you know, you have 40 or you said 400 subscribers. So um i guess with the 400 subscribers how many years ago was this oh man that was a long long time ago i want to say i don't remember a year it was just very long time ago <laughs> yep yeah. okay so and so now 
do you still have the paywall? You have yeah. paid subscribers. Yeah. And yeah. how often do you update the newsletter? Well, so we call it, uh, so from the very, very beginning, so I did some things which were different than most newsletters. First of all, you know, as you know, those days, most newsletters used to be monthly, and then some started doing weekly and so on. That made no sense to me, right? Uh, the stocks don't move monthly or weekly. Wait, wait, ho wait, hold on. You said there were some that were monthly, then some went weekly, and then you said that made no sense to you. Which made no sense, the ones that did monthly or weekly? Either one. Okay. You know, because to me, what made sense is the stock market moves. We should do it in real time, right? Mm -hmm. If something important is happening, there's the opportunity to grab something, fine. Now, some longer-term stuff, you could say, you know, I want to do monthly or whatever. Uh, uh, so the way we set up on the Internet is what we call is a real-time feed. So we don't, we don't have a conventional newsletter. Uh, real-time feed means, you know, we write or say something. If we have something to say, when we have something to say, and if we have nothing to say, then we say nothing. <laughs> yep, okay. So that's how it goes. So the, but then people don't reach out and say, hey, are you, you know, when's the next news? Like you don't get people ever reaching out on that stuff? No. So one other thing along the way we started doing is we do something called a morning capsule. You know, you guys do a lot of work on Benzinga. Um, and, and my issue always was, uh, you know, as I started devoting more time to the markets is that it takes a long time every morning to figure out what's really going on and analyze and all that. Uh, one of the principles I developed along the way, at least for myself initially, was that where you go wrong in the stock market is because you end up with opinions, right? You think this stock is great, it's going to go to the moon, and it doesn't. Or you think this thing is a dog, and it starts running up. Or, you know, you think I'm entering a bear market, but market keeps on going up, right? Mm -hmm. So I learned, you know, one of the, my thing was that uh, it's the opinions that get in your way. So how do you counter that? Well, so... I developed some principles for me and along the way, at least, you know, my fans, uh, and we keep it fairly limited. You know, we, we, we try not to be, we're not trying to be newsletter for everybody. You know, we're just not trying to do that. Okay. Uh, and uh, so, so I developed certain principles and one of the principles that now we call Aurora's second law is nobody knows with certainty what's going to happen next. I think everybody knows that uh, but very few practice because most people believe, right? If you b go buy a stock, you're assuming that's going to go up. That's why you're buying it. Otherwise, you won't buy it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but once you accept that you really don't know what's going to happen next, uh, the whole mindset changes, the whole approach changes, right? So how do you invest? Well, the third law then is the only re realistic and profitable approach is based on probabilities. Right. So when I buy a stock, I always have, OK, right now, whatever time frame I'm buying for, these are the probabilities I'm assigning that it's going to work. These are probabilities I'm going to assign. It's just going to be scratch, not a big deal. These are probabilities that, you know, either it's going to, my stop is going to hit or I'm going to lose money or whatever. Uh, so I never go in in anything saying, hey, this thing is going to go up. This thing is going to go down. This is what's going to happen. Because the premise is nobody really knows what's going to happen. 
And now it's easier to say than practice. So one other thing, it took me a long time to get to a point that every morning when I start my work, I'm at a, what I call the zero, or you're, you're in Detroit Motor City, right? Neutral, right? You're not in drive, you're not in reverse, you're in neutral, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you say, I'm in neutral, I don't know what's going to happen. Now, I, obviously, I can do detailed analysis every day, you know, so you rely on what you know and so on. But you start from that and say, okay, I don't know anything. So the premise I had yesterday, are they still true? Have they changed? Right? Do I need to change? Uh, so that's a function, and that's very different from what most people do. Yeah, so I get it, but isn't it hard to know if your, like, opinion is the diversified, like, a different opinion? Like, are you the, no, the what everyone's thinking, or are you taking the opposite thing, you know? Well, I, I tell you, <laughs> so you're right. So... I pay attention to what everybody else is thinking or uh, what people are thinking for the simple reason that we have developed our own sentiment indicators and I want to know what other people are thinking, right? But to me, that's only a part of the equation, right? Beyond that, I'm just looking at the hard data. You know, I'm driven very much by the hard data. Now, a lot of people are driven by hard data. Uh, you know, some people are macro, as you know, they're driven by economic data, I am too. Some people are very fundamentalist and you know, they're driven by P ratios, blah, 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 and so on, that's good. Some people are driven by technicals, which I am too, that's fine. Uh, but, the, but the difference uh, that I have is over a period of time, I have developed the algorithms where we take all the macro, the fundamental, the quantitative, the sentiment, you know, we kind of put it all together and said, based on that, this is what we think should happen, right? So that's the first cut, uh, and that makes life easier. And then, of course, you okay. know, human judgment after that, right? Uh, so, so that's kind of how I kind of approach it. Uh, you know, I, I don't go based on, uh, you know, this is what people are saying or not saying. That's just sentiment equation for me. Uh, you know, but that doesn't impact everything else that I see. Everything is driven by hard data. And then one other thing we do is, uh, so, you know, we talk about artificial intelligence these days a lot. This is going back a long, long time ago. Uh, one other thing I played around with a lot for the market was something we used to call neural nets. I don't know if you ever read I've heard of it. I've heard of that. Yeah. So the neural nets were, you know, we're trying to emulate how, how brains work. But one other thing what you do in a neural net is you look at the output, right? You have a lot of inputs, right? And you look at the output and then you say, what do I want this output to be? Like in my case, you know, we have all the data, right? I mean, you know, we we'll monitor economic data from 23 countries, you know, monitor a lot of stocks, we do all kinds of things. And based on our models and so on, we have a certain output. What are we trying to do with that output? We're simply trying to say, do I want to buy more? Do I want to become more undefensive? Do I want to buy less? Do I want to hedge more? You know, what do I want to do, right? So, but then we're constantly comparing the output of our models to what the markets are doing, right? So if market is going up every day and my model is saying sell, 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 
maybe something in the right, right? <laughs> okay, yes. So, so then do you recalculate your model or how do you? Right, so, so basically what we do is we have a feedback from what the difference between what the market is doing and what our model is saying, we feed that back as an input, okay? And then everything in our models doesn't have the same weight, right? For example, this morning was durable goods orders, right? Economic piece of data, we monitor, but we give it a very little weight. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. and, and there may be something else. Is, it like, it's so, because it's so short term? Well, it's very volatile, right? So we look at it, durable goods, if you watch the series, you know, they're volatile. They're like a yo-yo, up, down, up, down, up, down, right? So we look at this, important, you know, if uh, uh, companies are ordering durable goods, their capital equipment and so on, we want to know all that. Uh, but we know it's not that important, right? Uh, something we found over a period of time very, very useful is every week comes in the jobless claims on Thursday morning, right? We'll see those tomorrow morning, right? Uh, we found that very useful. Why did we find that very useful? Because think about it, the jobs report that everybody watches, right, the first Friday of the month, and I watch it too, the jobs report is a survey, right? And, you know, people criticize the government techniques of surveys, plus surveys, people can say whatever they want to say, right? Yes. But jobless claims, somebody has to go to the unemployment office or whatever it's called in your state, file a form and say, I've been laid off, <laughs> give me some money. Yes. Concrete yes. action. Yeah, that's actual, that's actual data. Okay. Actual data. All right. Say, you know, not the highest frequency data, but it's happening real time. Right. We know every week what happened. Right. I'm not waiting for a month. So every week I know what's happening and people are not filing for jobless claims if they're not getting laid off. <laughs> right. So I find that useful. That is a high weight in my model. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So but, that's, but, but that's an input. That's an input, right? So I got lots and lots of inputs. So I've divided my inputs in 10 different categories. They go from sentiment to interest rates to where dollar is compared to other currencies to commodity prices, so on. Uh, and to the market internals, right? The breadth of the market, things like that, you know, so yeah. taking all that kind of stuff. Okay. And then we look at our output and we say, are we on the right track or not? If we are on the right track, meaning, you know, market is more or less doing what you know, we're not trying to, we're not trying to call the market every single day based on this model, but we want to be able to be beating the market at least every year, you know? And so when the difference is, we feed it back and we look at it, for example, I just gave you the example of uh, weekly jobless claims, right? It carries a very heavy weight. Now I'm looking at it, what jobless claims are telling me and what the market is doing, are they kind of in sync or not, right? If they're not in sync, the weight for the jobless claims will go down. If they're in sync, the weight will go up. So out of okay. all my factors, the ones that are doing a good job of calling the market, their weight goes up. The ones okay. that are not doing a good weight, it goes down. So if you look at okay. the actual model, my that's model- That's interesting. I See, I never heard that. That's interesting. So- I know nobody else does it. <laughs> yeah, so the weight, the, the weight that goes up if the market is in like doing well, you're saying, and it goes down if it's not, is what you're saying? Like on exactly. some of these things? Exactly, okay. so okay. what happens is, 
So, so you know, and Jason, you've been around. You've been doing this for a long time. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I know you, I think I've been doing this since delivery. You know? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so. so, most of the models, right? All these analysts have, you know, Wall Street and so on. Most of them are static, right? They figured out this way, this way, add this to this, subtract this, multiply by this. You know, we take GDP, do this, do that, right? Yep. And they're static models. And when they initially develop them, they backtest them. They say, hey, this thing works. But you and I know markets are ever changing. <laughs> right. Markets change, then their models don't work, right? So that's why you don't see consistent consistency from Wall Street strategists and analysts, right? You know, they call the bear market right and then miss the bull market, right? Or they're calling a bull market right and then miss the bear market. You know, they, 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 I mean, yep. you know, it's, it's, you know, you got perma bulls, you got perma bears, you got people who are talking from both sides of their mouth all the time. <laughs> you got all right. kinds of people, right? So, because the models don't work, right? Static models. But with what I have done, my model today looks very different from what it looked three months ago. Three months ago, it looked very different from it looked a year ago. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I've so, already set it up, so I'm not rethinking every day, you know? So wait, you're, wait, you set it up so you're not rethinking every day? No, I'm not rethinking, meaning I'm still thinking. I start from a neutral every day, but the process is set up so that it's always changing. It's always re evolving. Okay. So then I, I guess my next question on this then is, are your picks more investments? Are they more longer term ideas to, to prove out or shorter term? Well, I've done something very, very different there, uh, Jason, than what most people do. Okay. So remember, I came from a background of physics, right? And engineering and nuclear power. Yes, yes, uh, a, so, a, ma a math uh, perspective. Math perspective, right? Especially the nuclear power, I, I, I just remember, you know, I mean, I remember my boss long, long time ago, I did something, designed something, and he says, oh, okay, so what if this thing fails? I said, well, and he said, you know, we're going to be releasing radiation all over the country, right? If this thing fails, we can't do that. So he said, you got to make things fail safe, right? Okay. He said, if this thing fails, then what happened? He said, well, take another look. So I took another look, I went back to him. So okay, this thing fails, this is going to take over. And he said, that's good. And he looks at my design, then he picks up something else. Said, now what if this fails? I said, well, the whole thing fails then. He said, there can't be anything that fails and we start releasing radiation in the environment. We can do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, you know, all right. And yeah. Says, yeah. Whatever you do cannot fail. <laughs> what are, so, okay. So I have the same philosophy with the markets that whatever I do, it cannot yeah, fail. <laughs> so then, but it, 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 with that logic, my man, with that logic, then it. By the way, I want to, you know, we're with the Aurora Report founder, Nagam Aurora, um, a newsletter. You can see that, your Aurora Report. Um, I don't know if it's auroraport.com or what is it? AuroraReport.com. Okay. So you can see it there. You're on the RAS Report. But so then I, I guess my question is, it cannot fail, but you know you can't beat the market consistently. You know what I mean? Like, right. you, it, right. so 
it has to fa doesn't it have to fail well it, it does fail at times obviously so yeah so well it, it, i mean if it ne if it never did i'm sending you all our money and forcing <laughs> you to or you know whatever you're gonna yeah, do yeah, the yeah. benzinga benzinga treasury <laughs> there you go right. you're like you'll be a made off 25 percent a year there no you, you know what i mean okay i agree yeah. i agree markets aren't that easy okay yeah so so what i what i did is you know everybody diversifies not everybody but you know we talk about diversification with stock so i came up with the idea which i've been practicing for a long time now that you also diversify by time frame okay okay yep. the point being is if you have some positions that you're saying you know i'm going to invest in these for next 10 years and then okay. comes you'll say we have like six different time frames i'm going to invest one to three years these i'm going to invest six months to a year right and then you have some shorter term, you know, invest three months. And then you get some swing trades, which is a week, two weeks max, right? I don't get into day trading, but you know, something like, so we, So the point here is that we want to diversify. So think of different buckets. We want to diversify by time frame. And the point is, point is, you know, I may be totally wrong about 10 years. Okay. Right? But I might turn out to be right on three-year mark, right? So out yes. of 10 years, maybe I'll be right twice on three years mark, we'll be wrong on 10 years, we'll be wrong on three years once, on one year, maybe I'll write five times, I'll be wrong on five times. You see what I'm saying? Yes, months, 100%. And so on and so on. So then when you add it up, your performance becomes more consistent over a long period of time because you're not trying to call always. You're kind of, you're kind of starting out of the premise that I'm going to be wrong a lot. <laughs> okay, but you're going to be wrong a lot. But what you're focused on isn't necessarily being wrong, right, or wrong a number of times. But you need to be right more than you need to be wrong. And that's how you, like, is that how you look at it? Well, the way I look at it, I don't even need to be right more than wrong. The way I need to look at it, when we put this whole thing together, right, we've got several buckets. When you put yep. all those buckets together, you got to consistently make money and not lose money. Okay. Okay. Now, some, some, sometimes, you know, it's a raging bull market and, you know, we're not going to go all in and all that, you know, we're not going to beat the market that year. You see what I'm saying? Yep. But on the other hand, it was like a year like last, we're not going to lose money either. You, you see what I'm saying? So our focus is being more consistent. And I think what, what I tell people is that instead of having focus on, you know, I got to meet the market this quarter or this month or this year. You got to really focus on that over a long period of time, like your lifetime, can you follow a methodology where you have reasonable assurance that you can do as well as can be practically expected, right? Considering the markets are right, you're not going to be always right. Things are going to happen that you cannot foresee, right? Mm -hmm. And so on. And, uh, so, so that's kind of how, how I approach things. And you know, Jason, if it's okay, I'll mention one of my big calls. Well, I was about to, that's where I was about to go next. <laughs> I was about, I was about to go. What are your like current investments? What are some losers that you had in the past? And then what are your big calls? So if we want, yeah, since we haven't gotten to it, let's start with your, uh, from the Aurora port, Nagam Aurora, let's start with some of your big calls, like, or at least one of them right now. Okay. So let's separate out 
artificial intelligence for a second, okay? Okay, yep. Because we think that's a big deal, and I, I think you do too. Uh, yep. So last year, we made a call that there was a 40-year secular bull market that started in 1982, and, and that ended in 1920, 2022, 40 years, right? Secular bull market meaning long term. Yes, you got cyclical bear markets, right? We got the 87 crash, you got a 2000 crash, you got the, you know, 08 crash, yep. 2018 Fed started raising rates, you know, market didn't go, S&P didn't go down quite 20%, but went down, if I remember right, like 19.8%, and then we get a virus crash, and then ran up, right? But the market overall kept on going up, right? So our call was was last year, and this is before artificial intelligence really took off, right? Uh, that that 40-year secular bull market where you could just buy and hold and say, eh, I'm going to buy it, put in an S&P 500 fund, and I'm going to come out ahead, and you did over the last 40 years. Mm -hmm. That that era is over. That's gone, okay? And the reason behind that was, at least according to my call, that that 40-year bull market was driven by four megatrends, okay? The first megatrend, and those megatrends are over, okay? The first megatrend was the big bull market in bonds, right? If you look at the chart of the bonds, up, 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 right? You know, 82, we were, you know, again, uh, I don't know what you were doing in 82, but, uh, you know, try to get a mortgage, 12, 13 <laughs> percent. Is that what they were? Is that what they were back then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, the treasury bills were hitting 17, 18 percent. I remember buying treasury paying me 17 percent. Uh, Are you serious? 17 percent treasury yeah, bills? Absolutely. No way. Are absolutely. you sure? Check, check, check it out. <laughs> no way. OK. That's yeah. Cool. I, and, I, you I know, believe you. And then we went to zero. Right. So yep. all the way from there is a 40 year. And as you know, there's a relationship between the interest rates and the stock market valuation. So that was one trend, and that's over, okay? So I don't think, yep. so I think most people accept that. The second trend was rise of China, okay? You know, China was absolutely third-class economy, nothing happening, poor, and all of a sudden it took off, right? And what happened is, one is you could go to Walmart and buy things for cheaper here, Right, controlled mm -hmm. inflation, uh, but then the China itself started growing and becoming a global growth engine. Right, our American companies are exporting to China and so on. So all the earnings go up, everything goes up. Okay. So yep. the rise of China is over in the sense I say, is China is still going to grow faster than the United States, but I think going forward we're looking at four, five, six percent growth rates. Right. If you go back, we were saying China grow. 10, 11, 12, 13% a year. So that caused the whole world, right? At that time used to be the, now I think the number two uh, most populous economy, but you know, that time billion people, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people. And that brought a lot of energy. So that's over. Okay, so what, the third where is this mega, going? The third mega trend was globalization. Yes, Okay. I get that. And I think most of us are accepting that's at least changing quite a bit. It's not never going to be the same, right? We, we're never going to go to a place where we're going to say, well, gee, we can't have even uh, little band-aids because they're all made in China, right? <laughs> it's, just, it's going to change. 
And the last Perfect. one was, you know, after Soviet Union started collapsing and collapsed, mm -hmm. the defense spending, not so much United States, but the rest of the world just collapsed. Nobody would spend money on defense, right? I think that's over, at least next few years, right? After Ukraine, Russia, yeah. the rivalry between China and US, I think defense spending is gonna keep on going higher and higher as opposed to lower. So those four trends drove that 40 year secular bull market and that's over. So now what we got is cyclical bull markets and cyclical bear markets. Now, that call was made before chat GPT just, you know, went on this wildfire. Now the question for us is, and I'm a believer in artificial intelligence. You know, a lot of people call it a bubble. I said, no, it's a frenzy. Maybe we're overbought, but a lot of money is to be made. You know, mm -hmm. it's uh, next seven, 10 years. I mean, it's not, it's not done. It's not a bubble. Uh, now the question is, what is this artificial intelligence going to do, right? Uh, history tells us that all these kind of innovations lead to more productivity, more prosperity, higher incomes. That's all going to happen. Right now, the market is pretty much focused on, gee, this is a great thing. Yeah, you know, let's go buy NVIDIA, right? <laughs> or Microsoft or whatever. But you know, there's gonna be a lot of losers here too. Market is not focused on those losers right now. So overall, what the market does, you know, will come down to losers and so on. So I think now our call is 40 year secular bull market that started is over. Now we're looking at cyclical bear and bull markets, but within a cyclical bear and bull markets, we're probably going to see a secular, very long-term bull market in certain stocks, certain sectors because of artificial intelligence. So that's okay. our big call, and that's the driving force behind what we are doing. So then what, what stocks, how do I profit off that? Well, so- Is it, is it ETF that you're buying? Is it like, or selling? I mean, like what, like if I'm here listening and I, and I don't have the time to listen to all of the, or read the Aurora report or listen to the Raz report, what have you, what would you say to average Joe investor who wants to get, you know, you know, get a little more alpha than the market? Sure. Sure. And you know, as you said, you know, for, for a guy who doesn't have time, doesn't want to deal with a lot of stocks, ETFs make a lot of sense, right? Yep. Uh, so 100%. 100%, right? So the biggest call we have there is just buy a very simple semiconductor ETF. Okay, SMH. Now, when I say buy longer yep. term, don't buy please don't rush out and buy it today. It's very very overbought. <laughs> it will pull back, believe me, it will pull back. Uh, and then among artificial intelligence, robotics, there are so many ETFs. I don't find any of them really good one. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them we picked simply because, you know, our members want one. And yep. so then it's a question of which one is the best one of the, all of them. And that is AIQ, Apple Idea, Apple Ida Queen, AIQ. All right, all right let's flash that up on the screen uh, and back and edit. Okay, AIQ, keep going. So semiconductors, SMH, Sam, Mary Henry, and yep. AIQ, I think those are your uh, kind of trends for artificial intelligence if you want to buy uh, ETFs. That's what so I would do right now. What is, a wait, what is AIQ? That's an ETF. 
Okay. So do you do any individual? We do. Stocks. So, okay. So so we, we have four services, right? One of them is very focused on individual stocks. One of them is very focused on uh, uh, ETFs. One of them is focused on uh, emerging markets, you know, the Indias or Mexico, Vietnam, and so on. And then one of them is focused on short selling. Not many people are doing short selling, but we do have one focused on. Now, individual stocks. So everybody knows the big seven, right? You know, I mean, I, I'm not breaking any ground. Uh, NVIDIA's, uh, Tesla, Microsoft, Amazon, Meta, you know, Alphabet. Uh, so, but I think our biggest call, which people haven't focused on, is if you want to be somewhat safer, buy applied materials, symbol is AMAT, Apple, Mary, Apple, Tom. And why do I say that? Uh, and by the way, you know, part of it is, again, I have to, Full disclosure, you know, we have owned it since it was about 16, and now it's like 140 right now, somewhere in there. Um, so the demand for semiconductors is going to go up very, very significantly because of artificial intelligence, because it's so compute intensive, right? Now, the question always is, with semiconductors, today we say NVIDIA. I think NVIDIA is so far ahead of anybody else. We own NVIDIA. Okay. We more, uh, you know, and I'll tell you something in a second about our buy zones and how it works beautiful. Uh, but there's a risk, right? Because NVIDIA, if you look at their margins, uh, everybody's going to go after them, right? Especially the big guys, right? Google already ex says that they have a chip that's better than NVIDIA's chip, right? Tesla has their own chip. This is better than their own chip, right? Meta yep. had an effort that didn't work out well. And so now they've gone with NVIDIA, but they have a parallel in-house effort, and they're saying that's going to be better than NVIDIA chip. So you always have a risk, right? But what Applied Material does is they make semiconductor manufacturing equipment. So it really doesn't matter in the end who wins. Is Apple making their own chips? Is Intel succeeding? Is it all Taiwan Semiconductor? Is it AMD, you know, beginning to compete with NVIDIA now in a good way? It really doesn't matter. More semiconductors that need to be made, you need more equipment to make them, and the applied material is a really good one. Okay. okay. So that so that so that one would that be a long term? Long term. Hold for you? Right, right, right. Okay. We will hold on. You know, that's in yeah. our what we call the core model portfolio. You know, our plan is to hold on for ten years and you know, we were yeah. already held on for years. Well, yeah, and and so they people can find out more about you from the Aurora Report. Hopefully, we'll have some of your content on Benzinga. We went over by ten minutes in the you know uh, in the interview, but the thing that I you know kind of like sat there and listened is you've been you're passionate of the markets, and so the thing that I found very interesting is you have these models that you change and adjust. Most don't. And so you'll find that they're, you know, beating the market for a period of time, then losing. And I know I'm not, I know you're not saying you always beat the market, but it sounds like you're taking big macro bets and you're making a macro bet on AI. You're yep. making a macro bet on the economy with that, which, you know, that's not a, a today thing. And, and, and you're not a Johnny come lately. I mean, you are a nuclear scientist, right? And you've been in AI for a while. Right. So it, it gives me, I guess, reassurance yeah. that we're talking to someone 
So like I own a lot of HubSpot, it's a stock sure. because we're in the seat, we're in the marketing space, Benzinga.com, yep. and we use HubSpot. And when I talk to people, I'm like, what do they use? Well, they all use Salesforce. We'll use Salesforce too, but they, but they used to all use Salesforce. Now I keep hearing HubSpot. So when the stock goes down, I buy. When it goes up, I sometimes sell, but not usually. And um, and that you 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 go to where your knowledge and your passion is at. Not your passion, but your knowledge. Right. And and. I think I'm pretty knowledgeable there. And so it's like you know you're knowledgeable in your space and you it's almost like you have an unfair advantage, you know? And like and I think people got to pay attention to that. So I know I'm like cutting it off really cuz we could talk for a lot longer. Um but I'm getting the hook cuz we do certain we do these for half an hour and I'm at 40 minutes, <laughs> but um but I I appreciate you coming on. We'll do this again where we're going to go more into uh, picks, but also what I want to get to next time is mistakes. Absolutely. I want to get into mistakes because we just talked about how you look at it, but like mistakes. I can tell you my my biggest mistake, and I have it on my phone, so I always remember is I sold Amazon in two thousand and one, I think, at seven dollars a share. Yeah, three hundred shares for two hundred for twenty one hundred dollars today. That'd be worth like one point four million. Yeah, so that I, is my biggest mistake. I have made, you want you have one minute here. My biggest mistake. Sure, why not? Aaron Thomas, don't get mad. Here he goes. Biggest mistake. Go ahead. Aaron Thomas is the producer here. He's already given me the... So, the, so I was a early believer in Tesla. Buy yes. It, and we were up like three, four hundred percent. And then there was another electric car startup called Faraday. Okay. Faraday Future, yeah. Right. They were... Now, now Faraday Future is a new one. There's another old one. Oh, oh okay. 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 Uh, this is Tesla's early days. All right, I got you. Okay. And uh, they were better financed. I felt like they had better technology, and they couldn't raise money, and yep. so they went bankrupt. So but I you thought, well, could happen to Tesla. Let's sell Tesla. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. And I bought 100 shares of Tesla way back when, and I kept it. There you uh, go. You did better than uh, me. Did. Oh, yeah. I, I, that one was uh, my best <laughs> one ever. Now, I've been selling a little bit now, but... Um, or before, but yeah, um, that is crazy. Holy moly. Okay. So we're both, yeah. Well, my Amazon, your Tesla. See, we got, we got our stories. We're not going to, you can't win hundred percent of the time. That's for sure. So I want to thank you, Nagam Aurora. Um, I'm sorry we didn't get into more stock picks and how you made other mistakes, but you guys can read them at the Aurora report or on Benzinga. Uh, please come to us when you have, a, if you have a new idea or trade, please reach out. We would love to have you on. Even if it's a sure. 10 minute one, let's just do it. It's really nice to meet, uh, meet you from Indian, living in Indiana, one of our sister States. I live in Michigan and, uh, just appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Well, Jason, thank you for inviting me and I really enjoyed it. Uh, let's make it a regular thing. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. A absolutely and i'll and i'll give you my some of my stories where you could say how i could have done it better that's <laughs> like as like i feel like you i feel like you have like that professory you know touch with the mathematics you know what i mean so you get it okay yeah i get it <laughs> all right thank you again okay. again i really appreciate okay. it all right. all right yep bye-bye